This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the Blitz 1170. There are two things today that have wasted more time than I should probably be admitting. One of those is the website that I found earlier today on Twitter called my90stv.com. It is unbelievable what is on that little website where it's essentially just a TV, Matt, old school tube TV, very basic functions, but it has categories that you can flip through. Like you can turn things off like commercials or music or whatever if you just want a sports category. And all you do is sit there and you flip through channels on this tube TV on the website and there I was watching playoff games from 91, from 92, from 93, uh, wrestling events, you name it. I looked up and said, oh, my God, I have blown through way, way too much time on this website. Do they have Boy Meets World on that or is it just sports? No, they have everything. Like news programs, talk shows. So if you uh, are a big fan of, say, Jenny Jones from back in the day. I don't even know who that is. Or the, oh, my God, or the Ricky <laughs> Lake show. I don't know what that is. You don't even know the Ricky Lake show? Pop, I'm 27. I hate you. (laughs) Really do. You can find it all. Old commercials, it's great. Power Wheels commercials, uh, it's uh, spectacular. All right, it's 205. Let's hit up the hotline and welcome in Josh McQuistian from Soonerscoop, Soonerscoop.com. What's up, Josh? How are you, buddy? Uh. I'm pretty good, Pop. I can't lie. I thought this was going to be a Sooner Scoop shout-out when we started that little uh, the website that you had found that you spent far too much time on. But <laughs> that, uh, that sounds pretty good nonetheless. Okay. You know, and I- I'm with you in feeling old in the-, the fact that there is someone who doesn't know who Ricky Lake is. That is concerning. Or Jenny Jones. Like, what is going on? That's like, that's like prime trash TV viewing back in the day. The Jenny Jones show. <laughs> is that like my version of Maori? Uh, I don't even what Maori. What am I missing? Am I an, am I officially you, an old now? <laughs> do you mean Maury? Maury, yeah. What did you just call it, Maori? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my God! I really dislike you now, Maori. <laughs> do you see what I have to deal with here, Josh? <laughs> You know, at least, though, that is foreign. Like, <laughs> I, I work with guys who can't say a player's name that they've covered for four years correctly. Okay. So, right. <laughs> you know, th- 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 there is a give and take to this. I'm glad I had you on the phone because I, I would have had no idea what he was trying to say. <laughs> so thank you for clarifying that. Okay, so I will send you in your DM this little website for, the, for that little 90s TV thing that I found. And uh, you will probably waste a, a few moments of your time. So apologies in advance once you get it. Um, all right, where do we begin? Because I feel like that uh, as we inch closer to the first uh, version here of the portal in 2023 uh, closing down, Oklahoma is continuing on a hot pursuit for a number of different players, in particular at the wide receiver spot. Where are we at right now as far as an update on just portal activity with these Sooners, Josh? 
You know, I think yesterday's news of Walter Rouse, the Stanford tackle going to Nebraska, that's a tough beat for Oklahoma. That That's a guy that was probably just a plug-and-play left tackle with obviously with Oklahoma having some real doubts about what their left tackle is going to look like. And, you know, you can and you can argue it either way. You know, okay, maybe if they land Rouse, Tyler Guyton can stay at right tackle. If they don't, Tyler Guyton can move to left tackle, but then you just still have the same problem at right at the right side. So I, they have a bit of a tackle issue. I think they've got some young guys that are really promising, but you've got to figure that out. It, it does seem wide receiver is kind of the maybe the last spot for right now. I think you'll see it again once the portal reopens after spring practices. Um, you, you could still see some more movement in some of these spots, but I think receivers really where you're looking. Uh, Bryce Green, uh, the Oklahoma State transfer, is obviously the guy that it seems like Oklahoma is both the most involved with and seems the most interested. So I think we'll know, you know, again, the, the window closes here shortly. So we should have a verdict with him. I know there's a lot of old Miss chatter with him as well. Um, but Oklahoma needs at least one, if not two more receivers to really feel good about their situation. I think they're going to feel a little understaffed in spring ball mm. as far as that position goes. But that's the one to watch. Um, I, it's just so hard because, like I said, the Walter Rouse guy was kind of a unique deal. Three-year starter at Stanford, a lot of experience. You know, they could have felt pretty good about counting on him. Uh, along the lines, it's just so hard to find guys that are actually able to play at the level Oklahoma needs them to. The other part of all of this too, which is it, and we've, we've made fun of this at times because I, I feel like we get to a point where we get closer to the end of November. And then you have certain members of the media that start asking about, you know, numbers and half the time the coaches don't even know. I mean, we could see another scenario, right? Where after spring ball, when the portal opens back up, we just don't know what all the numbers are truly going to look like. Uh, and none of the coaches even really know uh, at this point. Well, and especially in a world like what you see happening at Florida with Jaden Rashada, like you think you, I mean, you know, the old adage has always been, oh, it doesn't matter until they signed. Well, now does it even matter if they have signed? Yes. So, you know, it really, that again, Oh, I don't expect any situations like that for Oklahoma, but that is, that's the give and take to these. And some of these schools have gotten really heavy into these NIL agreements is you, you get some of this where a guy may say, well, now I've got, kind of got you over the barrel. I want to renegotiate or whatever it may be. I mean, there's a, or, you know, if you're not holding up your end of the deal, they have every right to be upset. So there is, there's a real risk in that. So I, I do, I, I think sometimes fans think that like Brent Venables or Mike Gundy every day walking around knows exactly what his scholarship number is that day. It doesn't work like that, especially especially this time of year when, you know, Oklahoma's had, you know, what, I think 18, 15, 16, 17 guys going to the portal and have, you know, 12, 13 guys coming back. You've got several fifth-year guys that have that COVID year available that, you know, we don't publicly know a verdict on, and I'm not sure OU knows a verdict on some of these guys. So, I think that it's it's such a moving target where, to me, I'm just going to say from the start, like, sign too many. Like, it, it's very unlikely that you're going to be like, oh, no, we've got 87 on August 1st. Like, that just – that's not really the world we live in because these guys, like, they can see the writing on the wall. Well, they brought in this other kid. I, I want to make a move because I don't think I'm part of their plan. 
What's funny is that you talk about the the Venables and Mike Gundy. I'll use the example that we just had here yesterday at Tulsa, and I know he's a new coach, but Kevin Wilson had his his uh, first press conference since he's been back from the uh, semifinal. And one of the things that fell out of his mouth yesterday was like, yeah, I don't even know what our numbers look like. <laughs> I mean, he, he said that and he's done nothing but study this for the last week or so about trying to piece together on the uh, last portion of the signing day and uh, the more traditional route. And then, and then the transfer portal. Yeah, they don't, they don't really have a good idea at all. Well, I mean, and again, the, the moving parts of, the rosters, both with recruiting and with the portal stuff, forgets the coaching carousel that's going on at the same time. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's like those three triangles where like if this and this and this, and that little bitty point in the middle is where a guy actually makes his decision. So it, it's just kind of chaotic because like you said, I mean, Kevin Wilson holding his introductory press conference yesterday, or uh, not his introductory, but you know, his first one since being back and kind of being the full-time guy now. He, he's picked up multiple commitments in the time since. Like, mm-hmm. so th- there's such a juggling act going on. You know, Oklahoma, like we talked about with all the receiver stuff going on, just yesterday got resolution, you know, officially on what their receiving coach situation was going to be. LaDamian Washington's off to Western Kentucky, and Emmett Jones is taking over. So there is there's so much volatility this time of year. And it's for guys like me, it's a very popular topic to – discuss the calendar like how are they going to address that i think it's got to be addressed because yeah you're just going to burn these coaches out they can't do you know they've only got so many hours a day they don't increase in december and january it's still the 24 so i think they've got to find a way and there's so many months where college football is not a topic of conversation where you can spread it into the calendar and make it you know like oh the portal conversation that gives us something to talk about and kind of puts college football on the front page in, you know, April or May or whatever it may be. Yeah, you don't have to put it to, to rest once we get past to a certain point. I, I saw and read the comment from Todd Berry yesterday, and we, we mentioned it on the air, uh, the uh, AFCA, and he basically said, yeah, we're looking at ways where we can change the schedule. It's like, you know, so maybe we'll move, we'll move signing day up, early signing day up, and his quote was, we'll either move it to um, – the uh, the first day in December, or the, like in the first week of December, or the week after Thanksgiving, I'm like, why would you keep it in the season? It makes no sense to keep it in the season. You're so basically, you're just instead of kicking the can down the road, you're just kicking it back up the road a little bit. Like that's that's not going to really solve anything. The calendar is an absolute major issue right now with the sport. Oh, th- there's no question. I mean, I, I think if you are going to leave the transfer portal as a December thing, and a it's too long. It doesn't need to be six or seven weeks. Like, because most of these guys, they know the second they go in the portal, the two or three schools they're going to seriously consider. And if those schools offer them, great. And if for the guys that don't, they're, they're going to sit on their hands for a week or two. And then, the, you know, as the tier one guys fall off the board, then all of a sudden, you know, those offers will come in. So, I, to me, you've got to shut down signing day in December if you're going to leave the portal as it is now. And to me, you either just say scrap it, scrap early signing day, go back to February, let that exist as it always did. It was never a problem. You signing day in February actually becomes meaningful again and not Mm -hmm. just kind of another day for us to talk recruiting for a few hours. 
or you move it into like the first week of August, right before the start of, of fall practices. So coaches can kind of know what they've got. They've got an idea and then they can move forward. And I, I've got no problem with, you know, I know all the coaching changes that can happen. You, you can write things in. Like if, you know, the head coach leaves, you are not, you know, he basically signed this letter of intent. If he's not here, you don't have to be here. You know, like you can allow for some, some wiggle room within that. But I mean, you know, let a kid that knows what he wants to do, if all things stay the same, that's where I'm going. So I, I think that is an easy fix to this where you get some of it out of the way and then the rest can run till February because the whole idea was coaches didn't want to do all this while getting ready for bowl games and trying to be with their families for the holidays and babysitting all these commitments. They're having to do the portal anyways. You're not changing anything in that scenario. You've just added another layer to it. Here, here, I'm in 100% agreement with you on that. Um, I want to go back to some of the uh, big um, big games that we had in Orlando and San Antonio. Uh, man, full on display, right? A lot of a uh, lot of Sooner power that that existed in in some of those games, especially there in Orlando, with what we saw, um, where Jackson Arnold and and I know like the game itself and just trying to watch it if you're just from a pure fan uh, from a pure fan's perspective like what do you expect when you throw them together for 3 days and say okay here's a game plan let's move forward with this but man there's a ton to be excited about with a lot of sooner representation in both uh you know as a guy who's covered these games for you know as long as they've been in existence I think it's as good a showing from Oklahoma commitments you know signees at this point uh, as I as I've seen, I mean, you talk about a lot of guys that really impress people. Um, you know, I, I think the headliner, as far as like a guy that just surprised people with how special he is, is PJ Adabare, the mm-hmm. big defensive end out of Kansas City. Um, if he is not a consensus five star in the final rankings, I'll be very surprised. I think everyone come away like, oh, he's bigger than I thought he was. He's more explosive than I thought he was. Like it was, he is the kind of pass rusher that, frankly, we just haven't seen. Oklahoma sign. I, I've covered this for 22 years, and I, I, I can honestly say he is the most gifted defensive end I've seen OU sign in that time. So, you know, you talk about guys like Dan Cody and other elite players that maybe didn't become great players. I, he's he is off the chart special. He, he's a very gifted player. May end up in the top 10 in the final rankings. He, he's that kind of talent. Um, Jackson Arnold, again, it's so tough to gauge quarterbacks because I didn't think he was amazing. He was the best quarterback there, but you had a lot of guys that didn't show up. A lot of the higher end quarterbacks didn't compete in any of the games. Uh, I thought he and Dante Moore between the two games were clearly the best two quarterbacks nationally. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what that does with his ranking, but it's, it's so hard to gauge that because, you know, three or four years ago, Spencer Rattler was the talk of the All-American Bowl in San Antonio and was just going to be a surefire superstar. And while he's had moments, I think we know Spencer Rattler hasn't quite been the guy everybody thought he was going to be. So it, it's um, it's tough to gauge because, like you said, here's a game plan. We're installing it. you got three days to learn it. Get familiar with receivers. Like, it's just – that's not how football works, no. man. It's a timing, and it, it's, it's just not that kind of game. So I think it's especially challenging for quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, you run down the list. And the thing that I think might give OU fans some real, um, you know, give them all the feels, I guess you'd say, is how many of the defensive guys really stood out. I thought Macari Vickers in San Antonio at the All-America Bowl was outstanding. I got to watch him go through a whole practice. Um, T. 
Samuel Omasigo, the linebacker from Texas. He was outstanding, really good size, matched up well with some of the best guys in the country as far as just his frame and the way he's put together. And, you know, then you run into Peyton Bowen, the five-star, the, the only current defensive five-star. So there are – there's just a lot of room – in the next couple of years for this defense to kind of ride itself and get going in the right direction. Last one, you had uh, mentioned uh, Emmett Jones briefly earlier. Um, that is a guy that is very well-known, well-respected in the Metroplex. Uh, that is just another feather in the cap in, in terms of a staff that is uh, capable of recruiting some very high-caliber type of athletes, and uh, Emmett Jones is going to help them with that. Oh, I mean, this is a guy, you know, <laughs> for – for those that follow Dallas high school football and Texas high school football at all, this is a guy who worked under Reginald Samples at Dallas Skyline back when Skyline was kind of the DISD school that everybody wanted to go to. They were turning out 10 to 12 Division One guys every year and is now the head coach at Duncanville, who's played for, I think, four of the last five state championships and actually won one this year and has a couple of guys that Oklahoma's already offered. So, that Duncanville is just a machine that's going to keep producing guys. So to have that relationship is obviously huge for Oklahoma. Then you throw in that he was also the head coach at South Oak Cliff, who is a two-time defending yeah. state champion and has a whole mess of players of their own. He just opens up a window to Oklahoma that frankly hasn't been very good to OU. For, you know, for all the success they have recruiting Texas and Dallas in particular, there is a kind of that – they call it kind of the southern sector there of Dallas where you've got DeSoto, Duncanville, South Oak Cliff, uh, Cedar Hill. OU hasn't landed a lot of guys from those programs. Those are some of the most talent-rich programs in the entire state of Texas. So if he can help open that door for Oklahoma, that's – I mean, I, you know, I know there's talk of he, you know, Oklahoma having to pay the, the buyout out of his contract that Texas Tech had to pay uh, to get him out of Kansas. I that, that's worth it. Like the talent that he is opening the door to Oklahoma for, because like I said, for whatever reason, Oklahoma just hasn't been able to open that door through multiple coaching staffs. So this could be a, a huge win for OU just because of the connections he has. Josh, great stuff, man. Always appreciate you. You know that for joining us here on the Blitz in Tulsa. Keep up the great work, man, and we'll be in touch again soon. Hey, Pop, always enjoy it, man. Thanks, man. That's uh, Josh Bequistian from Sooner Scoop. Check it out right now. Uh, the fellows over at Sooner Scoop do a tremendous job of keeping you up to date with everything. And Josh, right now, taking on a uh, a lot of the uh, the roles there with all the stories. And that is probably, Matt, if we're just being honest, maybe one of the last things that a Oklahoma State fan wants to hear right now is that Oklahoma is in hot pursuit of Bryson Green. <laughs> you know, the Trace Ford one hurt many people enough as it is and produce some really stupid, over-the-top hot takes from some national hosts. And um, with the way that they're feeling right now, with just kind of how the program has gone, the last thing they want to see is another one of theirs ultimately end up in Norman. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back here on the Blitz 1170, run down a few of the other big news stories from the day that's next here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.